Chapter Nineteen, Part One, of Adeline Mowbray, by Amelia Alderson Obey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pam Moscato. Chapter Nineteen, Part One. The village in which Adeline resided happened to be the native place of Mary Warner, the servant whom she had been forced to dismiss at Richmond, and whose having gone from Mrs. Pemberton to another situation, which she had also quitted, came to visit her friends. The wish of saying lessening things of those of whom one hears extravagant commendations is, I fear, common to almost every one, even where the object praised comes in no competition with oneself, and when Mary Warner heard from every quarter of the grace and elegance, affability and active benevolence of the newcomer, it was no doubt infinitely gratifying to her to be able to exclaim, Mowbray, did you say her name is la i dares to say it is my old mistress who was kept by one mr glenmurray but so greatly were her auditors prepossessed in favour of adeline that very few of them could be prevailed upon to believe mary's supposition was just and so much was she piqued at the disbelief which she met with that she declared she would go to the church the next sunday to shame the hussy and go up and speak to her in the churchyard before all the people ah do so if you ever saw our miss mowbray before was the answer and mary eagerly looked forward to the approaching sunday meanwhile as we are all of but too apt to repeat stories to the prejudice of others even though we do not believe them this strange assertion of mary was circulated through the village even by adeline's admirers and the next sunday was expected by the unconscious adeline alone with no unusual eagerness sunday came and adeline as she was wont to do attended the service but from the situation of her pew she could neither see mary nor be seen by her till church was over adeline then as usual was walking down the broad walk of the churchyard surrounded by the parents of the children who came to her school and receiving from them the customary marks of respect when mary bustling through the crowd accosted her with so your servant miss mowbray I am glad to see you here in such a respectable situation. Adeline, though in the gaily dressed lady who accosted her, she had some difficulty in recognizing her quantum servant, recollected the pert shrill voice and insolent manner of Mary immediately, and involuntarily starting when she addressed her, from painful associations and fear of impending evil, she replied, How are you, Mary? in a faltering tone then it is mary's miss mowbray whispered mary's auditors of the day before to each other while mary proud of her success looked triumphantly at them and was resolved to purse the advantage which she had gained so you've lost mr glenmurray i find continued mary adeline spoke not but walked hastily on but mary kept pace with her speaking as loud as she could and did the little one live pray still adeline spoke not what sort of getting up had you miss mowbray at this mischievously intended question adeline's other sensations were lost in strong indignation and resuming all the modest but collected dignity of her manner she turned round and fixing her eyes steadily on the insulting girl exclaimed aloud woman i never injured you either in thought word or deed whence comes it then that you endeavour to make the finger of scorn point at me and make me shrink with shame and confusion from the eye of observation woman indeed replied mary but she was not allowed to proceed for a gentleman hastily stepped forward crying is it impossible for us to suffer such insults to be offered to miss mowbray i desire therefore that you will take your daughter away turning to mary's father 
and if possible teach her better manners having said this he overtook the agitated adeline and offering her his arm saw her home to her lodgings while those who had heard with surprise and suspicion the strange and impertinent questions and insolent tone of mary resumed in a degree their confidence in adeline and turned a disgusted and deaf ear to the hysterical vehemence with which the half-sobbing mary defended herself and vilified adeline as her father and brother-in-law almost by force led her out of the churchyard the gentleman who had so kindly stepped forward to the assistance of adeline was mr beauclerc the surgeon of the village a man of considerable abilities and liberal principles and when he bade adeline farewell he said my wife will do herself the pleasure of calling on you this evening then kindly pressing her hand he with a respectful bow took his leave luckily for adeline berrendale was detained in town that day and she was spared the mortification of showing herself to him writhing as she then was under the agonies of public shame for such it seemed to her convinced as she then was of the light in which she must have appeared to the persons around her from the malicious interrogations of mary convinced too as she was more than beginning to be of the fallacy of the reasoning which had led her to deserve and even to glory in the situation which she now blushed to hear disclosed and conscious as she was that to remain in the village and expect to retain her school was now impossible she gave herself up to a burst of sorrow and despondence during which her only consolation was that it was not witnessed by berrendale it never for a moment entered into the ingenuous mind of adeline that her declaration would have more weight than that of mary warner and that she might with almost a certainty of being believed deny her charge entirely on the contrary she had no doubt that mrs beauclerc was coming to inquire into the grounds for mary's gross address and she was resolved to confess to her all the circumstances of her story after church in the afternoon mrs beauclerc arrived and adeline observed with pleasure that her manner was even kinder than usual it was such as to ensure the innocent of the most strenuous support and to invite the guilty to confidence and penitence never my dear miss mowbray said miss beauclerc did i call on you with more readiness than now as i come assured that you will give me not only the most ample authority to contradict but the fullest means to confute the vile calumnies which that malicious girl mary warner has ever since she entered the village been propagating against you but indeed she is so little respected in her rank of life and you so highly in yours that your mere denial of the truth of her statement will to every candid mind be sufficient to clear your character adeline never before was so strongly tempted to violate the truth and there was a friendly earnestness in mrs beauclerc's manner which proved that it would be almost cruel to destroy the opinion which she entertained of her virtue for a moment adeline felt disposed to yield to the temptation but it was only for a moment and in a hurried and broken voice she replied mary warner has asserted of me nothing but here her voice faltered nothing but falsehoods no doubt interrupted mrs beauclerc triumphantly i thought so nothing but the truth resumed adeline impossible cried mrs beauclerc dropping the cold hand which she held and adeline covering her face and throwing herself back in the chair sobbed aloud mrs beauclerc was herself for some time unable to speak but at length she faintly said so sensible so pious so well informed and so pure-minded as you seem to what strange arts what wicked seductions did you fall a victim to no arts 
to no seductions replied adeline recovering all her energy at this insinuation against glenmurray my fall from virtue as you would call it was i may say from love of what i thought virtue and if there be any blame it attaches merely to my confidence in my lover's wisdom and my own too obstinate self-conceit but you dear madam deserve to hear my whole story and if you can favor me with an hour's attention i hope at least to convince you that i was worthy of a better fate than to be publicly disgraced by a malicious and ignorant girl mrs beauclerc promised the most patient attention and adeline related the eventful history of her life slightly dwelling on those parts of it which in any degree reflected on her mother and extolling most highly her sense her accomplishments and her maternal tenderness when she came to the period of glenmurray's illness and death she broke abruptly off and rushed into her own chamber and it was some minutes before she could return to mrs beauclerc or before her visitor could wish her to return as she was herself agitated and affected by the relation which she had heard and when adeline came in she threw her arms around her neck and pressed her to her heart with a feeling of affection that spoke consolation to the wounded spirit of the mourner she then resumed her narration and having concluded mrs beauclerc seizing her hand exclaimed for god's sake marry mr berrendale immediately and abjure for ever at the foot of the altar those errors in opinion to which all your misery has been owing what i could atone for them some other way she replied impossible and if you have any regard for me you will become the wife of your generous lover for then and not till then can i venture to associate with you i thought so cried adeline i thought all idea of remaining here with any chance of keeping my scholars was now impossible it would not be so replied mrs beauclerc if every one thought like me i should consider your example as a warning to all young people and to preserve my children from evil i should only wish them to hear your story as it inculcates most powerfully how vain are personal graces talents sweetness of temper and even active benevolence to ensure respectability and confer happiness without a strict regard to the long-established rules for conduct and a continuance in those paths of virtue and decorum which the wisdom of ages has pointed out to the steps of every one but others will no doubt consider that continuing to patronize you would be patronizing vice and my rank in life is not high enough to enable me to countenance with you any chance of leading others to follow my example while i should not be able to serve you but should infallibly lose myself but some time hence as the wife of mr berrendale i might receive you as your merits deserve till then here mrs beauclerc paused and she hesitated to add we meet no more indeed it was long before the parting took place mrs beauclerc had justly appreciated the merits of adeline and thought she had found in her a friend and companion for years to come besides her children were most fondly attached to her and mrs beauclerc while she contemplated their daily improvement under her care felt grateful to adeline for the unfolding excellences of her daughter still to part with her was unavoidable but the pang of separation was in a degree soothed to adeline by the certainty which mrs beauclerc's sorrow gave her that spite of her errors she had inspired a real friendship in the bosom of a truly virtuous and respectable woman and this idea gave a sensation of joy to her heart to which it had long been a stranger the next morning some of her parents whom mary's tale had not yet reached sent their children as usual 
but adeline refused to enter upon any school duties bidding them affectionately farewell and telling them that she was going to write to their parents as she was obliged to leave her present situation and declining keeping school meant to reside she believed in london the children on hearing this looked at each other with almost tearful consternation and adeline observed with pleasure the interest which she had made to herself in their young hearts after they were gone she sent a circular letter to her friends in the village importing that she was under the necessity of leaving her present residence but that whatever her future situation might be she should always remember with gratitude the favors which she had received at the necessity that drove her away was by this time very well understood by every one but mrs beauclerc took care to tell those who mentioned the subject to her the heads of adeline's story and to add always and i have reason to believe that as soon as she is settled in town she will be extremely well married to the mulatto the change in adeline's plans was particularly pleasing as it would bring her nearer to her son and nearer william from whom nothing but a sense of grateful duty to adeline would so long have divided her but savannah imagined that adeline's removal was owing to her having at last determined to marry mr berrendale an event which she for adeline's sake earnestly wished to take place though for her own she was undecided whether to desire it or not as mr berrendale might not perhaps be as contented with her services as adeline was while these thoughts were passing in savannah's mind and her warm and varying feelings were expressed by alternate smiles and tears mr berrendale arrived from town and as savannah opened the door to him she half whimpering half smiling dropped him a very respectful curtsey and looked at him with eyes full of unusual significance well savannah what has happened anything new or extraordinary since my absence said berrendale me tink not of what have appen but what will appen replied savannah and what is going to happen returned berrendale sitting himself in the parlor and where is your mistress she dress herself that dear missus replied savannah lingering with the door in her hand and i-i ope to ave a dear mess too what cried berrendale starting wildly from his seat what did you say why me ope my missus be married soon married to whom cried berrendale seizing her hand and almost breathless with alarm why to you sure exclaimed savannah and dead me hope you will not turn away poor savannah what reason you have my dear savannah for talking thus i cannot tell nor dare i give way to the sweet hopes which you excite but if it be true that i may hope depend on it you shall cook my wedding dinner and then i am sure it will be a good one can full joy eat asked the mulatto thoughtfully a good dinner is a good thing savannah replied berrendale and ought never to be slighted me good dinner day i marry but i not eat it oh sir pity people look best in dear wedding clothes but my william look well all day and every day and perhaps you will too sir and den i ope to cook your wedding dinner next day dinner and all your dinners and so you shall savannah cried berrendale grasping her hand and i here the door opened and adeline appeared who surprised at berrendale's familiarity with her servant looked gravely and stopped at the door with a look of cold surprise berrendale awed into immediate respect for what is so timid and respectful as a man truly in love bowed low and lost in an instant all the hopes which had elevated his spirits to such an unusual degree adeline with an air of pique observed that she feared she interrupted them unpleasantly as something unusually agreeable and enlivening 
seemed to occupy them as she came in over which her entrance seemed to have cast a cloud the mulatto had by this time retreated to the door and was on the point of closing it when berrendale stammered out as well as he could savannah was indeed raising my hopes to such an unexpected height that i felt almost bewildered with joy but the coldness of your manner miss mowbray has sobered me again and what did savannah say to you cried adeline i, I say cried savannah returning dat is he say i should be let cook de wedding dinner adeline turning even paler than she was before desired her coldly to leave the room and seating herself at the greatest possible distance from berrendale leaned for some time in silence on her hand he not daring to interrupt her meditations but at last she said what could give rise to this singular conversation between you and savannah i am wholly at a loss to imagine still i-i must own that it is not so ill-timed as it would have been some weeks ago i will own that since yesterday i have been considering your generous proposals with the serious attention which they deserve on hearing this which adeline uttered with considerable effort berrendale in a moment was at her side and almost at her feet i-i wish you to return to your seat said adeline coldly but hope had emboldened him and he chose to stay where he was but before i require you to renew your promises or make any on my side it is proper that i should tell you what passed yesterday and if the additional load of obloquy which i have acquired does not frighten you from continuing your addresses here adeline paused and berrendale rather drawing back than pushing his chair nearer her as he spoke gravely answered that his affection was proof against all trials adeline then briefly related the scene in the churchyard and her conversation with mrs beauclerc and concluded thus in consequence of this and of the recollection of his advice and his decided opinion that by becoming the wife of a respectable man i could alone expect to recover my rank in society and consequently my usefulness i offer you my hand and promise in the course of a few months to become yours in the sight of god and man and for no other reason from no preference no regard for me demanded berrendale reproachfully oh pardon me from decided preference there is not another being in the creation whom i could bear to call husband berrendale gratified and surprised attempted to take her hand but withdrawing it she continued thus still i almost scruple to let you unblasted as your prospects are take to wife a beggar blasted in reputation broken in spirits with a heart whose best affections lie buried in the grave and which can offer you in return for your faithful tenderness nothing but cold respect and esteem one to who is not only despicable to others but also self-condemned while adeline said this berrendale almost shuddering at the picture which she drew paced the room in great agitation and even the gratification of his passion used as he was to the indulgence of every wish seemed for a moment a motive not sufficiently powerful to enable him to unite his fate to that of a woman so degraded as adeline appeared to be and he would perhaps have hesitated to accept the hand she offered had she not added as a contrast to the picture she had drawn but if in spite of all these unwelcome considerations you persist in your resolution of making me yours and i have resolution enough to conquer the repugnance that i feel to make a second connection you may depend on possessing in me one who will study your happiness and wishes in the minutest particulars one who will cherish you in sickness and in sorrow here a twinge 
of the gout assisted adeline's appeal very powerfully and who conscious of the generosity of your attachment and her own unworthiness will strive by every possible effort not to remain your debtor even in affection saying this she put out her hand to berrendale and that hand and the arm belonging to it were so beautiful that he had so often envied glenmurray while he saw them tenderly supporting his head and while the vision of approaching gout and adeline bending over his restless couch floated before him and all his prudent considerations vanished and eagerly pressing the proffered hand to his lips he thanked her most ardently for her kind promise and putting his arm round her waist would have pressed her to his bosom but the familiarity was ill-timed adeline was already surprised and even shocked at the lengths which she had gone and starting almost with loathing from his embrace she told him it grew late and it was time for him to go to his lodgings she then retired to her own room and spent half the night at least in weeping over the remembrance of glenmurray and in loudly apostrophizing his departed spirit the next day adeline out of the money which she had earned discharged her lodgings and having written a farewell note to mrs beauclerc begging to hear of her now and then she and the mulatto proceeded to town with berrendale in search of apartments and having procured them adeline began to consider by what means till she could resolve to marry berrendale she should help to maintain herself and also contrive to increase their income if she became his wife the success in which she had met with in instructing children led her to believe that she might succeed in writing little hymns and tales for their benefit a method of getting money which she looked upon to be more rapid and more lucrative than working plain or fancy works and in a short time a little volume was ready to be offered to a bookseller nor was it offered in vain glenmurray's bookseller accepted it and the sum which he gave though trifling imparted a balsam to the wounded mind of adeline it seemed to open to her the path of independence and to give her in spite of her past errors the means of serving her fellow-creatures but month after month elapsed and glenmurray had been dead two years yet still adeline could not prevail on herself to fix a time for her marriage but next to the aversion she felt to marrying at all was that she experienced at the idea of having no fortune to bestow on the disinterested berrendale and so desirous was she of his acquiring some little property by his union with her that she resolved to ask counsel's opinion on the possibility of her claiming a sum of money which glenmurray had bequeathed to her but without as berrendale had assured her the customary formalities the money was near three hundred pounds but berrendale had allowed it to go to glenmurray's legal heir because he was sure that the writing which bequeathed it would not hold good in law still adeline was so unwilling to be under so many pecuniary obligations to a man whom she did not love that she resolved to take advice on the subject much against the will of berrendale who thought the money might as well be saved but as a chance for saving the fee he resolved to let adeline go to the lawyer's chambers alone thinking it likely that no fee would be accepted from so fine a woman accordingly more alive to economy than to delicacy or decorum berrendale when adeline desiring a coach to be called summoned him to accompany her to the temple pleading terror of an impending fit of the gout and begged her to excuse his attendance and adeline unconscious of the real cause of his refusal kindly expressing her sorrow for the one he feigned took the counsellor's address and got into the coach 
berrendale taking care to tell her as she got in that the fare was but a shilling the gentleman mr langley to whom adeline was going was celebrated for his abilities as a chamber counsellor and no less remarkable for his gallantries but berrendale was not acquainted with this part of his history else he would not even to save a lawyer's fee have exposed his intended wife to a situation of such extreme impropriety and adeline was too much a stranger to the rules of general society to feel any great repugnance to go alone on an errand so interesting to her feelings the coach having stopped near the entrance of the court to which she was directed adeline resolving to walk home discharged the coach and knocked at the door of mr langley's chambers a very smart servant out of livery answered the knock and mr langley being at home adeline was introduced to his apartment mr langley though surprised at seeing a lady of a deportment so correct and of so dignified an appearance enter his room unattended was inspired with so much respect at sight of adeline whose mourning habit added to the interest which her countenance never failed to excite that he received her with bows down to the ground and leading her to a chair begged she would do him the honor to be seated and impart her commands adeline embarrassed she scarcely knew why at the novelty of her situation drew the paper from her pocket and presented it to him mr berrendale recommended me to you sir said adeline faintly berrendale berrendale oh eh i remember the cousin of mr glenmurray you know mr glenmurray too ma'am i presume pray how is he adeline unprepared for this question could not speak and the voluble counsellor went on oh i ask your pardon madam i see pray might i presume so far how long has that extraordinarily clever man been lost to the world more than two years sir replied adeline faintly you are may i presume so far you are his widow adeline bowed there was a something in mr langley's manner and looked so like sir patrick's that she could not bear to let him know she was only glenmurray's mistress gone more than two years and you still in deep mourning amiable susceptibility how unlike the wives of present day but i beg your pardon now to business so saying he perused the paper which adeline had given him in which glenmurray simply stated that he bequeathed to adeline mowbray the sum of two hundred and sixty pounds in the five per cents but it was signed by only one witness what do you wish to know madam asked the counsellor whether this will be valid as it is not signed by two witnesses sir why really not replied langley though the heir at law if he have either equity or gallantry could certainly not refuse to fulfil what evidently was the intention of the testator but then it is very surprising to me that mr glenmurray should have wished to leave anything from the lady whom i have the honour to behold pray madam if i might presume to ask who is adeline mowbray i am adeline mowbray replied adeline in great confusion you madam bless me i presumed and pray madam if i may make so bold what was your relationship to that wonderfully clever man his niece his cousin or i was no relation of his said adeline still more confused and this confusion confirmed the suspicion which langley entertained and also brought to his recollection something which he had heard of glenmurray's having a very elegant and accomplished mistress pardon me dear madam said mr langley i perceive now my mistake and i now perceive why mr glenmurray was so much the envy of those who had the honour of visiting at his house 
upon my soul taking her hand which adeline indignantly withdrew i am grieved beyond words at being unable to give you a more favorable opinion but you said sir said adeline that the heir at law if he had any equity would certainly be guided by the evident intention of the testator i did madam replied the lawyer evidently piqued by the proud and cold air which adeline assumed but then excuse me the applicant would not stand much chance of being attended to which is neither the widow nor relation of mr glenmurray i understand you sir replied adeline and need trouble you no longer trouble my sweet girl returned mr langley call it not trouble i here his gallant effusions were interrupted by the sudden entrance of a very showy woman highly rouged and dressed in the extremity of the fashion and who in no very pleasant tone of voice exclaimed i fear i interrupt you oh not in the least replied langley blushing even more than adeline my fair client was just going allow me madam to see you to the door continued he attempting to take adeline's hand and accompanying her to the bottom of the first flight of stairs charming fine woman upon my soul cried he speaking through his shut teeth and forcibly squeezing her fingers as he spoke and if you ever want advice i should be proud to see you here at present i am particularly engaged with a significant smile but here adeline too angry to speak put the fee in his hand which he insisted on returning and in the struggle he forcibly kissed the ungloved hand which was held out praising its beauty at the same time and endeavoring to close her fingers on the money but adeline indignantly threw it on the ground and rushed down the remaining staircase overhearing the lady as she did so exclaim langley is not that black mawkin gone yet come up this moment you devil while langley obsequiously replied coming this moment my angel adeline felt so disappointed so ashamed and so degraded that she walked on some way without knowing whither she was going and when she recollected herself she found that she was wandering from court to court and unable to find the avenue to the street down which the coach had come while her very tall figure heightened color and graceful carriage made her an object of attention to every one whom she met at last she saw herself followed by two young men and as she walked very fast to avoid them she by accident turned into the very lane which she had been seeking but her pursers kept pace with her and she overheard one of them say to the other a devilish fine girl moves well too i cannot help thinking that i have seen her before and so do i oh zounds by her height it must be that sweet creature who lived at richmond with that crazy fellow glenmurray here adeline relaxed in her pace the name of glenmurray that name which no one since his death had ventured to pronounce in her presence had during the last half-hour been pronounced several times and unable to support herself from a variety of emotions she stopped and leaned for support against the wall how do you do my fleet and sweet girl said one of the gentlemen patting her on the back as he spoke and adeline roused at the insult looked at him proudly and angrily and walked on what angry if i may be so bold with a sneering smile fair creature may i ask where you live now no sir replied adeline you are wholly unknown to me but were you to tell me where you live we might cease to be strangers but perhaps your favors are all bespoken pray who is your friend now oh i have but few friends cried adeline mournfully few the devil replied the young templar and how many would you have here he put his arm round her waist and his companion giving way to a loud fit of laughter adeline clearly understood what he meant by the term friend 
and summoned up all her spirit she called a coach which luckily was passing and turning round to her tormentor with great dignity said though the situation sir in which i once was may in the eyes of the world and in yours authorize and excuse your present insulting address yet when i tell you that i am on the eve of marriage with the most respectable man i trust that you will feel the impropriety of your conduct and be convinced of the fruitlessness and impertinence of the questions which you have put to me if this be the case madam cried the gentleman i beg your pardon and shall take my leave wishing you all possible happiness and begging you to attribute my impertinence wholly to my ignorance so saying he bowed and left her and adeline was driven to her lodgings now said adeline the die is cast i have used the sacred name of wife to shield me from insult and i am therefore pledged to assume it directly yes he was right i find i must have a legal protector she found berrendale rather alarmed at her long absence and with a beating heart she related her adventures to him but when she said that langley was not willing to take the fee he exclaimed very genteel in him indeed i suppose you took him at his word good heavens replied adeline do you think i would deign to owe such a man a pecuniary obligation no indeed i threw it with proud indignation on the floor what madness returned berrendale you had much better have put it in your pocket mr berrendale cried adeline gravely and with a look bordering on contempt i trust that you are not in earnest for if these are your sentiments if this is your delicacy sir say no more dearest of women replied berrendale pretending to laugh alarmed at the seriousness with which she spoke how could you for one moment suppose in me earnest insolent coxcomb i wish i had been there i wish you had said adeline for then no one would have dared to insult me and berrendale delighted at this observation listened to the rest of her story with a spirit of indignant knight errantry which he never experienced before and at the end of her narration he felt supremely happy for adeline assured him that the next week she would make him her protector for life and this assurance opened his heart to so much that he vowed he would not condescend to claim of the heir at law the pitiful sum which he might think proper to withhold to be brief adeline kept her word and resolutely struggling with her feelings she became the next week the wife of berrendale chapter nineteen part one recording by pam Moscato.